Um, when we look at hope, holding on to promises every day, hope is the very thing that changes everything in our life. We go through situations in life and hardships in life and things come that we don't have uh, any understanding. Okay, God, why did this happen in my life? How many have ever done that, huh? God, why? Yeah. Why is it? God, God's not afraid of your why. Never think that God's afraid of your why. He's much bigger than that. And so I want to take you on a journey these four weeks about when hope seems to fade and how the resurrection hope comes in, how God works, the way God works. God's ways are higher than your ways. How many know that already? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't work the way we think he works. He, he works different. But when we talk about Easter, it's a love story. And Easter has three parts, or I should say the love story has three parts. So I'm going to say three parts. The birth and life of Jesus. Then we have the sacrificial death of Jesus. The Savior of the world actually died for you. It was in a grave for three days. And a lot took place in the spiritual realm that we find out in the book of Ephesians. And then now comes to the resurrection and the power of Jesus Christ. It changes everything. It really does in our hearts and life. So we're going to, in these times together, we're going to really look that in our darkest days, in our darkest days when we feel like there is no hope, hope seems hopeless, we're going to look at how God gets, shows up at the right time to give us light. We're going to look at when life becomes overwhelming and you're just discouraged. We're going to learn how God's hope gives you faith even when you are down and even seem to be out. In the midst of the journey, we're going to look in the midst of devastating and loss that takes place. Hardships. That even in your struggle and your hurt, you can find hope. You can find joy. And in the midst of discord, craziness, you're going to understand that God can bring unity even in the midst of great diversity. I want you to understand something, that the tomb is empty, and what makes Christianity different than any other religion, and trust me, I've studied every single thing out there. And what makes Christianity so different is because there is no body in the tomb. Nobody could find it, and everybody wanted to find Jesus' body so they could disprove that he actually rose from the dead. The Bible says that over 40 times he appeared after the resurrection. And at one time, 500 people saw him. So this is, this is known not just in the biblical camp. This is known in the secular camp. If you go secular, secular history and you look at what the world and the scholars at the time, they talk about Jesus and they talk about the same stuff that's in the scriptures. And more, a lot of times people say the Bible is archaic. It's not archaic. How can it be archaic and outdated if the one who wrote it is still alive? Think about it. We just want an excuse to dismantle something that God put in place. So I want to take you on a journey here of the resurrection hope. And I, I want you to understand that, you know, when we read the resurrection, we talk about Easter. We go, whoo, Easter, God's resurrection. He promised, he did his promise, and he did his thing, and he rose the dead. Wow, how? But you ever think about the people who walked it, who lived it? It was some pretty discouraging days that the disciples went through. 
They went through some tough times. And when we go through tough times, you know what we end up doing? We end up blaming God for our tough times. God, if you loved me, you wouldn't allow me to go through this. God, if you really cared for me, then I wouldn't be in this pain. And we sometimes even, here it goes now, watch this, we get mad at God. We get mad at God because God doesn't do what we want him to do when we want him to do it. Is that true? It is true. You know why I know this? I've been a pastor for a long time. And I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of people. And this whole series came out of trying to understand. I love the word hope. Hope is not our theme just because it's a great little word. It's a great acronym of holding unto promises every day or holding unto prayer every day. It's more than that. It's a relationship with God. And no matter what you face, someone say, whatever I face, there is hope in the one who rules and reigns the whole universe. Because where God's peace rules, he reigns. But it's a choice in our camp. God has made us volitional beings. It's our choice. And what you do with your choice today is your results tomorrow. So I want you to get this as we travel along because the disciples had it really tough. Jesus had died. Their hopes were smashed. They watched Jesus died on the cross that he thought that he was going to come and deliver them from the oppression from Rome. Have you ever had um, such a, uh, you were so excited about something and, and then of a sudden it all came kind of, kind of crashing down. But even when it comes crashing down, God always has a, a way and he does great in all of it. And when we get disappointed sometimes, God says, wait, don't get disappointed. Who am I? Do you know who I am? I've been disappointed many times. I've gone through a lot of different struggles in life. Many times I have almost, I should have died, and most of you know the, many of the stories. But God always shows up right at the right time. When I had my scuba diving accident and I just ready to drown, I was just ready to drown, ready to die, and I was ready to take in that one gulp of breath of water because I had nothing more in me because of everything that took place before it. And I was down, I was eyes were closed, I was just ready to take in that. I couldn't break the water, I was too exhausted. And the voice to this day I could still hear simply said, Brian, clear, Brian, let go of your belt. And in my little, the little bit of energy I had, I flicked the latch and my belt fell off and because I had a suit on, it brought me to the surface and God really saved my life with a voice at that really moment that I should not even be here today. That's just one time. And I could, you, both of you know my stories. Why am I telling you this? Because in dark times, and, and there sometimes have been really dark days where you, you feel like, wow, God, where are you? The disciples, the followers of Jesus, had some tough times. They saw Friday took place, and they were like, God, what are you doing? And all of us have moments where we say, God, what are you doing? And I want to talk to you today when hope seems to fade, when hope seems to get a hold of you. I want to know that the resurrection hope can overcome your life's greatest challenges if you put the word of God where it needs to be. You need to put God's word at the center of your heart, the center of your mind, the center of your life. And if you do, I'm going to promise you something. Hit somebody and wake them up and say, he's going to promise you something. Don't miss it. 
if you do, God will go before you on every side. Because that's the God who wants. He wants to walk with you in the journey. So let's go ahead and uh, take a journey this morning. Because God's always with you on the journey. There was a story in Daniel where about three Hebrew believers, how many remember Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and they weren't going to do what the king wanted them to do to bow down to worship this 90-foot golden statue. And they said, no way, Jose. The king's name was not Jose. And, uh, and so he said, no way, we're not going to do it. You can throw us in the furnace. And that's exactly what he did. But these individuals had so much faith in God, they say, listen, our God's able to deliver us from your hand, king. But he says, hey, even if he isn't, we're not bowing down to this statue. And king got so mad, boy, he got that furnace seven times hotter, and he threw these uh, three Hebrew believers into the fire. But guess what? Guess what? Somebody else showed up in the fire. The fourth man showed up in the fire. What does that teach you and I? That when things get tough, God's going to show up, but he doesn't always show up when we think. Could he show up before they threw him in? Sure could have. He could have showed up any time, but God didn't. He waited to the very last minute to finally show up, and he showed up in the fire. When they came out of that fire, they didn't even smell like smoke. They didn't have no singe, nothing on their body. The king was so amazed that nobody, he made a decree that nobody could talk about the God of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Look at your neighbor and say, God is with you. So let's lay a foundation, and let's go to the portion of Scripture before we get to our text today. I wanted you to get this. John chapter 20, verse 1, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb, both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked into the, into, um, he looked in at, at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded by itself, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and he believed. They still did not understand from the scriptures that Jesus had risen from the dead. Someone say, didn't understand. There's a lot of things Jesus told them, but they never remembered. We'll talk a little bit about that. When the disciples, then the disciples went to their homes. I want you to remember that. The disciples went to home. So everybody say, disciples went home. They saw the grave was empty, so the disciples went home. The next four weeks, we're going to be talking about God's power, God's resurrection power, how God's hope can overcome whatever you face. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to go through hardship. That doesn't mean that you're not going to go through circumstances and situations because we get to see God's power in the midst of the hardships. Just think about it for a minute. If you know anything about monarch butterflies, they have to go through a struggle before they get strong. So if you ever saw a monarch butterfly and he's in his little, we'll call it a cocoon, and he's in that little cocoon and uh, he's trying to get out and you feel really bad for him. You want to help him out a little bit. So you help him in his struggle. The problem is you just killed the butterfly. 
Because it's in the struggle that we get strong. It's in the struggle that we become, we get to experience things. We get Because what's happened to the butterfly is that his wings are getting stronger by pushing and getting out of that cocoon. And while he's in the struggle, that, that butterfly is actually drying off his wings. And he needs to struggle in order to soar after he gets out. By you helping him and deleting his struggle, you kill the butterfly because now he's not strong enough for the journey. And I have many people say to me, Pastor, this is not fair. Why am I going through this? And I always, and I don't know why. But I said, I don't know, but I've been through enough struggles that I do know this. If you stay with God, you're going to be better than ever because you're going to get to experience God's handiwork hands on. And I believe that with all my heart because I've experienced it. You know, God brought me uh, through some hardships and and I've been better. You can get bitter or you can get better. Who wants to get bitter? Come on now. Nobody. But then it's how you handle your problem and how you take it to God because the disciples just watched Jesus die on Friday. Everything is miserable. They are down. They are depressed because they don't see God still working. They only see a piece of the puzzle. And you need to see all of God's pieces to see his big picture. But the problem is, the problem is we just focus so much on one piece. Someone said God has greater plans. And sometimes we go through some hardships so that we can glorify God even better. Because when we were down, he showed up. When we felt we were out, he pushed us back in. When we didn't want to run the race anymore, he came alongside and, and just brings people or gives someone says to you. Or he just comes and speaks to you. Or you see something that rises you up and you say, you know what, God? I understand now. We always understand after the fact. So important that you and I understand to stay steady, stay steady to the plow and let God work and move in our hearts. Have you ever been, how many have ever been disappointed one time in your life? <laughs> just one time, just one time. How many two times, just two times? Anybody two? Oh, we got a couple twos out there. How many three times? You've been just one three times. Yeah, we could go on, can't we? But if you turn to the one who's more than able, I'm gonna tell you something. You're gonna see God's hand work in incredible ways. I've been, um, I've been disappointed. I've been going through, I've been through a lot, a lot, been through a lot. But I would never change what I've been through because it's made me stronger. It's made me better. It's had, it causes me to handle things, disappointments so much better because it causes me to trust God. And I want you to trust God in the process. Someone say, trust God in the process. Because if you stay steady to his word and his ways and you really make him and turn to him, you're going to see, you're going to hear from him. God is a living God. Someone say living God. My God speaks. My God leads me. My God helps me. Because I go to him and I look to him. I'm going to tell you a little disappointment. Dis disappointments is kind of, you've got little disappointments and big disappointments. Let me show you a little disappointment. Maybe you can recognize this. So I have four boys and they're all young. Well, not now. Uh, they're younger than me. <laughs> but I had four boys, and during the house, you know, how many times you come home, you want something to eat, and you go to the cabinet, and you're just ready for something. You open the cabinet, and you look at something and say, oh, that's my snack. That's my snack. Anybody have your special snacks? Huh? So I go reach for my special snack, and guess what? It's an empty box. An empty box. 
And my kids were notorious for taking the last one and leaving empty boxes. And so I would come home so hungry, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, empty box. Disappointment. That's a very simple disappointment. Let me share a couple disappointments with you. Here's a disappointment. This guy's disappointed. He's all the uh, fans have left, and his team has lost. His team has lost the big game. You know, when fans get disappointed, I was going to put an Eagles fan here, but uh, <laughs> I thought I'd leave that alone. <laughs> but, but, you know, very disappointed because his, game, his, his team lost. And so he's stood in the seat and he hasn't moved. Uh, how about this one? This, this, this individual here just received a call from the doctor saying that they found something. They gave him a bad report. Just got news off the phone. He's discouraged. His hope now is belittled a little bit. How about this? A couple having problems after problems, problems after problems. They both become so self-centered in their own ways. They're, they can't communicate because they're so selfish. They're not listening. And they are like a wall. There's a wall behind. They say, you know what? This relationship is never going to work. They say, we're never going to be able to work this out. They're just in two different worlds. They're disappointed. They don't feel hopeful. How about this? When 911 took place, our whole nation was distraught. Our whole nation, thinking about the people that were in there, they, be, they, they had this feeling of hopelessness, being attacked by another nation. It had did something to our country. Did you know that the churches increased in attendance for about a month and then everybody went away back doing their own thing again? They thought about God for a moment, and then when life gets back to normal, God's no longer a real, an issue anymore. This one here moves me the most with disappointment because this one here, because of what I do, I live with a lot. But there is a terrible disappointment when all of a sudden someone is no longer with us, someone's close to our heart, and a person is now at the grave site, doesn't want to leave the grave site because of the heart connection between the person who has just passed. And I have seen this picture with my own eyes at a cemetery where the person is just laid out there because why? There's such a connection and now all of a sudden life seems hopeless because this person is no longer in our life. I want you to understand something. These things are true. These things take place in life. But there is a hope that can you can grasp, and this is a hope that can change your heart, change the way you think, change the way you are when you grab hold of the hope that God has for you. Look at your neighbor and say amen. amen. I, want, I want you to understand that after three days of deep sorrow, they were in a need of a resurrection hope. Jesus is dead. Things are taking place. They feel like all these time they spent with Jesus, he was supposed to change everything. He was supposed to deliver them. But yet, it didn't happen. Look what happens here. This is where I think the story, as we continue from the narrative, remember the disciples went home. Remember? Say the disciples went home. Yeah, they just left. But, but it says here in John 20, it says, But Mary stood outside the tomb crying, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? 
They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I do not know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Let's stop there for a little moment because Mary is just like the woman we just saw. She is at the grave. She's not going home because she feels like she wants to know where do they put the one that I love? Where did they go? Where did his body go? When we get upset, when our heart is full of pain, when tragedy hits us, our mind don't think very well. I have been with, I can't tell you how many people, when tragedy hits and they just can't make a simple decision sometimes because emotionally and, and they get, can get overwhelmed so easily because of so many things that now become on their mind and on their shoulder. I want you to understand that's where we have to help people to cast all their cares upon him for he cares for us. See, we take it in our own hands. We try to figure it out. We try to, do, we try to be in control. And the disciples right now are like, they're not thinking about anything Jesus said. Jesus said, listen, I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. He told them numerous of times, do you think they remembered? No. It wasn't until afterward did they remember. And so the disciples were really all messed up right now. The followers were all messed up. But Mary was at the tomb and she didn't want to leave. Someone say didn't want to leave. She was there. Now Mary Magdalene was a woman that had seven, seven demons in her that was delivered by Jesus. She most likely was a prostitute as all. Well. And she turned into one of the greatest disciples of Jesus, one of the greatest followers. And I want you to understand something. In the culture back then, the woman was not treated equal. And I want you to understand, Jesus went out of his way for the per first person to be seen was he saw a woman. And Mary Magdalene, the one that stood at the tomb, the one that pressed in, when she pressed in, even in the mess, she still pressed into God. She got to see God. She was the first one I want you to understand something that we know that she eventually went down to anoint his body with incense and, and, and the proper burial process. But when she got there with the other women, they too left, but she never left. She left after, after she met Jesus. And we're going to talk about that. But why did she meet Jesus because she pressed in. And when she's having a bad day, what was she still doing? She wasn't forgetting what the word said, what God said. She was just mourning and she was hurting, but she was still pressing in. She was still wanting to be close to the one she loved. I, I want you to get this. When our dreams are shattered and our future becomes unclear, and it's all easy to fixate on what's not happening... What I don't have, what they didn't do, what I'm missing. Mary sees angels and doesn't even notice the angels. Instead of recognizing who they are, she is in so much pain. She is in a fog. Someone say fog. And all she cares about is where is the body of Jesus. And here are two angels, one where the head is, one where the foot is. And she's not even acknowledging that. Now, I don't know about you, but when you can't see reality, I mean, look at this. In John, in John 10 and 11, 
When the, disciples, when the disciples went back to their home, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. She sees these angels and doesn't even recognize and says, where, uh, where, where, where's Jesus? And the angels speak to her and ask her a couple questions. And then this is what you have to take away because, see, their hope was lost. And I want to encourage you, if you lost your hope today, maybe you've come in here and there's a situation in your life, maybe it's in family, uh, maybe it's on your job, maybe it's, and, and you just, you don't feel very hopeful in a present situation. I'm going to give you some good advice. Instead of you looking at what you don't have what you, what, and just looking at the problem, I, I want you to look a little higher and bring Jesus into your equation so that you can let him help you and you put your hands to the plow and you keep plowing. You keep seeking his face. You keep going to the Lord and God will show up and show off. Someone say amen. amen. He will. And why do I say that to you? Because Mary got a chance to meet Jesus in the midst of her pain. She pressed through the mess and she just didn't leave. She was the first one to see him. She was the first one to declare this good news. He's risen. You want to talk about We'll talk about how her lack of hope turned into major hope. In the Bible, over and over again, it tells us that God says, seek me. How many of you played hide and seek? Come on, raise your hands. All right, how many played hide and seek just yesterday? Come on, raise your hands. Where are the big kids in the house? Come on. If you have grandkids, you probably played hide and seek. Okay, that's just part of the deal. But God tells us to seek him. Look what the Bible tells you and I, not just to seek him when things are good, to seek him when there's challenges. Because for three days, these individuals, these followers were miserable because all hope seemed gone. But someone say, God had a plan. Don't fret. God is God. That's why we call him God. And if you could figure him out, then he's not that big. Us, we're finite. He's infinite. We're a temple, and he's eternal. There's a big difference. We need to recognize these things. Trust him in the process. So just say that right now. Trust him in the process. Matthew 6, 33, look what it says. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God says, seek me first, and all those things that you need, I'll add them. Don't worry about it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does he say in 2 Chronicles? Talks to, the, to us as a country. As a people, he was talking to the people of Israel, talking to us as well. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, some would say humble. That's so important for our, our, our development in, the, in our faith, humbleness. Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Some would say praise the Lord. Again, he tells us in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Am I talking on the morning, I seek God, but God's doing everything I want him to do? Or do I seek God and earnestly have a relationship when, well, things are not going the way I thought they would go? You see, the problem is God wants us to be faithful right where we are. Be faithful right where you are. Then God just, God just does his work. Everybody wants God to do the work, and then we'll do it. No, no, God don't work that way. I, I have never seen him do it work that way. He wants us to be faithful. Someone say, right where you are. Right what you have, all the knowledge you have, just 
And Matthew, I want to read this one here. I like this one a lot. Matthew chapter 7, 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. What happens when someone's knocking? You answer it. But most of us, when someone's knocking today, let's look to the people. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Oh, oh no, no, don't answer it. I need you to help me today. We're, we're going we're gonna to do something today, and I need your help. Um, I need you to help me in an illustration. How many are willing to help me in an illustration? You're going to be part of the illustration today, okay? So right now, in your pew, I want you to look in your pew at the hymnals that are in front of you. Just look at, it, look at the hymnals, and I want you to search through your hymnal, okay? Just search through the hymn, hymnal. And I just want you to um, search and search. And if you find anything in it, just hold on to it. Don't say it. Don't reveal it. Just look in the hymnals. Go through the pages. And go through both of them. And if you find something, just hold on to it. Okay? I'll give you a few moments to go through. And he's, the ones in front of you, Alfred, the one in front of you. <laughs> uh, just the ones in front of you. Go through the hymnal, see if you see anything in it. It'd be really funny if nothing happens and everybody misses. Okay, put it down, put it down. Don't show anybody. Don't show anybody. Just, okay. All right. So, everybody's been through the hymnals that's in front of you? All right, won't you say, say it loud so I can hear you. Everybody through, been onto the hymnals in front of you? Yes. All right. Now, those that found something in the hymnal, raise your hand. All right. So one, two, three, four. Did you find something too? Five. Okay. So all right. Fantastic. So you found, you all found what was in there, and that is yours to keep. That is your Easter gift this day. That gift card is for you. Now you say, Pastor, why, why do you put gift cards in hymnals? Well, I have a reason, as always. You see, so many times in the world today, uh, that gift card, that gift card is only good for so long. You know, it's a, it's a small gift card that you can use it pretty quickly. And I want, I want you to know something that so many people search for things in life in the wrong way. Now, next to that hymnal is a Bible. And a lot of times, people search the things in this world and miss the Scriptures. And I want you to understand something. It's the Scriptures that has hope. But just so often, people don't want the Scriptures. They want the easy fix, and, and they want all these other things. They want all the bells and whistles, and, and they leave the majors alone, and they focus on minors. And so those that received the card and found it in the hymnal, well, congratulations. And you may be happy for a short time because you won. So those that won go, yay, I won. Go ahead. Yay, I won. Yeah. All right. You won. And happy. But, but that happiness is going to, go to be short-lived. I, I could have made that gift card out to be $1,000. And you would have been maybe a little happier. And, and, and you might yell a little louder. But the reality is after a duration of time, you're not going to be very happy anymore because that 
is going to run out. But the hope that God has doesn't run out. It is a constant. But so many people try to fill their void and, and try to look for happiness. And they try to do it on their own. And they miss the one that so loves them. The one that will really fill their heart. The one that really will help them. But they have no time. And so they search in other ways and other things. And they might receive something from it for a short time. But it will not conclude a long term. Only God could do that because he's the one that created you. Someone say amen. So I want you to understand that God wants you to search his word. The Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. It's important for us to learn. It's important for us to know the Lord who's over all. Hope comes just in the right time. Someone say hope in the right time. Now this right time is God's time, not your time. We got to get this. Because when God don't show up on our time, we get disappointed, don't we? Come on. Come, am, I talking to, uh, the, am I talking to you? How many get disappointed because God don't do it the way we want him to do it? You know, God, you could have done this a lot earlier. Oh, God, you know, you could have made this a little easier. Hmm? Yeah, I, I know. I know. Trust me. But wait, let God, he's rising up a testimony in the midst of your test. He shows up just at the right time. He is good, he is great, and he's in control. John 20, woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned Toward and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not returned to my father. Go instead to my brother and tell them, I am returning to my father, your father, to my God, your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and she told them he had said these things to her. Check this out. This is really cool. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to get ready for this. I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. She gets to meet Jesus. Jesus takes her tears and now gives her a triumph moment. Jesus shows up with hope, and sometimes God don't work the way we want him to work, so we get mad at the God of all creation, and we realize, we realize, wait a minute, do you not think that God may have a greater purpose, even something to show us? Something to really change us? Every one of us have gone through things that we don't understand or things have happened. Sometimes we've created those things. Sometimes we had nothing to do with those things. They were done unto us. But in the midst of everything that takes place, there are lessons to learn to build our character and to make us stronger so that we can go out and be all that we created to be. The problem is, the problem is we don't see it. It's a true story. Listen to the true story. So this man was working with an axe one day, and, and, and trying to cut things, he cut off his finger. And everybody said, that's a tragedy, that's a tragedy. He almost bled to death because he was so far from care. But he finally got some care, and everything went well. It was years now that he was in the jungle. While he was in the jungle, he got caught by a tribe in, on this island that was cannibals. And they were about to eat him. They put them all together, they tied them all up and ready to eat them until they realized their sacrifice that they were about to do wasn't perfect because he had no finger. They let the man go. 
I want you to understand this is a true story, and there's plenty like this. Let me tell you what happened. So at the moment, he lost his finger, and he's like, wow, this is terrible. Because, you know, losing this finger is important. Losing this is even more important. Losing the pinky. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Elliot agrees. I want to go give you a high five right now. And, uh, and so because of that accident that took place, actually helped and saved his life. At the moment, he said, why that happened to me? See, we don't know the whole picture. We don't know the whole story. And I don't either. You don't either. But God says, can you trust me? Even when something happens to you that you had no control, God says, will you trust me? God just wants you to trust him. Can you trust him? Because if you can trust him, you're going to know him in a deeper manner, in a deeper way. He's going to give you the peace that you need throughout your lifetime. Because he's with us if you give him room to work. Someone say room to work. You see, Jesus meets her in her tears, and all of a sudden, he calls her by name, Mary. She was in so much pain. She was in so much fog. She was so despair. Hope was out. She's down. When someone's in despair, they could talk to you, but they're not going to look at you, thinking he's a gardener. But finally, he said, Mary. And when Jesus said her name, listen to me, when Jesus said her name, everything changed in Mary. She turned around and looked at Mary and looked at Jesus and recognized who he was. In the midst of your pain, God calls your name. But it's then you need to look to him so that God can do something in you and through you. Because if you stay in your pain, if you stay in your hurt, if you stay in the way you're thinking, you give no room for God to work. God can't work because you're volitional. He has to, you have to have room for him to work. Your heart has to be open for God to come in and speak to you for what you need. When she heard the name Mary, God called her by name. God knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows you're good. He knows you're bad. He still loves you the same. He don't want you to stay that way. He wants you to grow. Someone say grow. We don't want babies to stay the same, do we? No. I want you to understand this. This is important. Isaiah 55. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord, as heaven are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's, there's a difference there. Yeah, I don't understand God. How many people have ever said, God, I don't understand this? I have, numerous of times. But then I say, okay, God, I don't know the whole picture yet. I don't know the whole picture. There are some things that take place that shouldn't take place. But there are some things that take place and they have a greater a reason. But either way, whatever that falls in, your God is still in control. He's still with you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's still with you. Let me take you to a story here with Thomas. I, I want you to believe, I want you, I want you to look at this story, but before we do, if you really believe God, think of this for a second. If you really believe God for what God said, how different would your life be? If you really believed what God said and what God's promises you and all that he said, if you really believed him, how different would you live? 
You know, Thomas was a disciple of the Lord, and when Jesus appeared to the disciples the first, one of the first time, um, it's 14 times in the scriptures that Jesus appeared to different places after he died. One time, Thomas wasn't there, and Thomas said, unless I feel the scars on his hands and I feel his scar on his side, I'm not going to believe. Well, a week later, look at here, look, read in the John chapter 20. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Man, could you imagine that? Oh, that could give you the hibbie-bibbies. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God. And Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. C can you imagine this? God heard Thomas say, when God wasn't there, he heard him say, I'm not going to believe that he's resurrected until I feel his hands and feel his side. Everybody say doubting Thomas. But there's a lot of doubting Thomases out there. And yet God knew and God met him right where he was to show him. God wants to meet you, but you, what part are you going to play in this? Everybody wants God to do it all. You know, God, if you want me to do it, you've got to do this. I'm going to tell you something. God does, has already done what he's supposed to do. It's now up to you, the course in your, ball, in your park. When he said it was finished, saints, it's, it's finished. It's now we have to turn to him. Thomas believed, but look what Jesus said. Blessed is he who has not seen yet believe. That's what they call faith. And there's so many things around us that can give us a faith in, in Jesus Christ. Resurrection hope comes to all our greatest challenges in life. If we just stay steady to what God, God took a woman who once was a prostitute, had seven demons. She then became a great disciple. She followed and loved the Lord. She was a follower of Jesus. And at the end, she's at the tomb. She's the first one that sees Jesus. But yet she had three terrible days of pain, of separation, of hurt. But God didn't stop there, did he? Your hurt, your pain, if you give it to the Lord, he will do something with that. I know that to be true. But if you hold on to it and you let it eat you up and you, you don't get it resolved, those things of the past, and you don't resolve them and you carry them, it will affect your whole life. And you will lose out in the joy of life because you have allowed the pain of your past to be the center of your life. Pain destroys life gives birth. This is so important for all of us. Let me close with a portion of Scripture. I love this portion of Scripture because it's one of my, I have many favorites, but John chapter 11 is Lazarus dies. Lazarus dies, and he was very close to Lazarus. He's very close to his sister, Mary and Martha. And in John 11, it tells the Bible truth that Lazarus dies, and they come to get Jesus, but Jesus doesn't get there until Lazarus has now been four days dead in the grave. Someone say four days. And so look what it does. Look, look what it says here. Uh, can you help me, Thief? Um, Look what it says here. 
In John chapter 11, verse 21, it says this. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Look what it says here in verse 25. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She says, yes, Lord. She told him, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. This is the most important thing that took place was the resurrection. Let me explain to you real quick. When we have the Old Testament, there was a gulf. We see this in Luke chapter 16, that man had to be redeemed because of what took place in the garden. One garden brought forth sin, but Jesus spent time in another garden, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he dedicated his life to the cause of you and I, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. I want you to understand something that's really important, is that Jesus did what he did because he wanted us to be bought back. In the Old Testament, those that died were in a holding point. You read Luke chapter 16, I'll explain exactly where there's a gulf. Those that were in the Lord and those that were not in the Lord. And the one that was not in the Lord just wanted a drop of water to be on their tongue because they were in such great pain. And Abraham said, well, no, it doesn't work that way. And he wants someone to go warn everybody of this place. Well, then we get to the New Testament of Jesus being the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. No man comes unto the Father but me. And John 14, 6 says, he's the way, the truth, and the life. Now watch this. In Ephesians, he took captivity captive. What does that mean? That all those that were waiting for the Messiah, he took and all went to heaven. That's why the, Paul says, from, be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord instantaneously when you die. The Bible says we are to die but once and then the judgment. I want you to understand that we have a hope. We have a hope. There's a hope in Christ. It really is. And my heart desire is that you would know that hope that you would really want to know who God is. Because if you get to know who God is, you don't go through anything alone. There is a God who never leaves. I've been through some really lousy stuff. But I can just tell you this. I have made it through so much stuff where now I am such, I don't know, call me on fire, call me change, whatever you want. But God has done a work in my heart because I know he's the one in charge. We live for the audience of one. Someone say amen. When we can live for the audience of one, it changes the way you live. Could you close your eyes with me for a moment? Just close your eyes and just take a moment and stop right where you are. Those watching online, if you could just stop right now, this Easter, if you can just think about the God of all creation, the God who says, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, this is so important. God has given us a gift it's up to you to receive it. You don't have to receive it, but it's a choice. It's a choice to receive. God has come. He said, I love you this much, and he died. The God of all creation that made all things actually came here and was abused by the very ones that he created. That's love. Love does. That's why love did. 
And if you're here today, and you, if you died right now, I got a chance to be with a lot of people who actually died, and I got some great stories to see what, you know, just what has happened. And I, I don't know about you, but I definitely know the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. The Word of God is life-changing, transformational. And I want you to know something, that you are being created. You are created, as the Bible says, fearfully and wonderfully made. Just look at your body, how it works. One thing's wrong, it affects the whole body. We are miracles. We are literal miracles. With your eyes just closed, I want you to ask yourself a question. If you died right now, is heaven your home? As Christians are praying, this is the most important question to ask. This is the question that I was asked many years ago. They just stay where, you, stay where you are and just as you pray. And I said, yes, Lord. I said, yes, Lord. It changed my life. With your eyes closed and you're here today, those online, close your eyes for a moment. Listen to the voice of God. What is God saying to you right now? Do you want to know him? Do you want to know him? Do you want to learn what he has for you? Is there a plan and purpose for your life? There is. For everyone is a plan. And if you're here today and you would want to make a relationship with Jesus Christ, just right where you are, just raise your hand. Say, that's me. Raise your hands. If I, want to make, I want to make sure heaven's my home. Yes. Anybody else? Heaven's my home. I want Jesus. I want, I want to know God. I don't want religion. I want relationship. I don't want religion. I want to know him. I don't want to live the way I've been living. I don't want to keep going on and on and on and not giving God a, a point and place in my life. I mean, this is the time. This is the most greatest time in the world to put God first. This is it. And if you're here, and, and let, listen to what the Spirit of God is speaking to you. Just listen. If you feel a tug on your heart to say, you know, I'm not sure heaven's my home, but I want it to be, then let that really ring and say, yes, I'm ready to start to change my attitude and change my life and change my heart. God will do all that. He'll change it. You just have to give him room to work. And so is there anybody else that would say, that's me? Can you raise your hand? That's me. Those online, just raise your hand and say, that's me. Amen. I see that. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Because this is so important. This changed my heart. This changed my life. I never thought he ever called me to be a preacher, so be careful. <laughs> could you stand to your feet? Could you stand to your feet? I'm going to have, um, if I could have Aaron and Paula come up here and uh, Alex and Play a song. And as they play a song, I want to put a prayer upon you, but those that raise your hands, I would love to pray with you. I would love to pray for you. And I'm going to put a, a benediction on you, and I just really, just come, just as everybody's moving, just come. I'm going to dismiss you. But I, I really want to just tell you, listen, God is important. Make room for God. If you want to grow in him, you've got to put him first. If you want things to be blessed in your life, you've you got to put him first. He's the God of all creation, and he loves you so much. You're as close to God as what you want to be. It's always your choice. Amen? I'm going to put a blessing upon you. And those that raise your hands, I want you to please come over here. I want to just pray with you. I want to put a blessing upon you. I'm going to give you some stuff. I want you to grow in Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. 
If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.